At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. That's right. Welcome to Knife Talk, a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and anyone who's really interested in, you know, making in general, DIYers and stuff like that. I am Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. Here with me is the captain of the ship, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, and our partner in crime, Reko Mamasi, is in the wilds of, I think, Reno. I kind of messaged with him today, and he's in, on a family vacation, cruising around, doing his thing with his family, having a good time. So he survived the bears. That's the main thing. Well, he texted me. I mean, he could have texted me with one hand. You never know. I, <laughs> I mean, I think he would have said something, but yes, I believe so. Good, good, good. How are you doing? Um, good. Um, sweating my nuts off. Oh, all right. It's 39 degrees here today, which I believe in American money is 104, something like that. Jeez Louise. Yeah. How's um, that possible? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a freak weather thing, to be honest with you. We've had three days of it. Tomorrow's going to be hotter, and, and we have a gig outdoors tomorrow. Oh, what are you so, going to yeah, do? It's going to be going to be fun. Um, so but it's, you can't complain. We can't complain. Sunshine, and you know. Well, here's the question. So you have a gig tomorrow. Is it what time is it, is, it, is the gig? Well, we've been speaking with the owners of the the place today. We're hoping as late as we're hoping to be on a date thirty. So hopefully, it would you know the, the baking sun would have stopped by then. Um, but yeah, we'll see. it'll be fine. It'll just be a hot show. Did a very you, hot show. Yeah. <laughs> How was your gigs? You had two gigs last week. We did. How did it go? Very hot again. Friday was a smaller one. The Saturday, as I told you about, we were playing with a with a Doors tribute band, and they travel the world. They're they're a big touring band, um, and we played before them, and it was fantastic because we used all of their you know their PA system and all the rest of it. Um, we had their sound guy who was doing all our sound checking with us and stuff. The sound was incredible. There was about 350 people up dancing. You know, it was it was proper. It was, it was it was like a mini festival. You know, it was yeah. It was our best show to date. It was, it was fucking great. Loved it. Wow. Absolute, massive high after that. 
Yeah, but tomorrow's show is like a small local restaurant. We're playing outside. It's you know it's a small event, but uh, it'll be fine. So, are you still enjoying it, or is it becoming like? I mean, I know obviously thinking about like the weather and uh, dealing with the restaurant guys, and you still enjoy it. We are loving it more than anything. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, we can onto knives eventually, but um, it's only three minutes in, and we can come on, man. Yeah. So, I mean, at first it was a case of we've been the band less than a year. Well, about a year now. And at first, it was just a case of learn two new songs a week, nonstop, 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 until we had enough for a set. Um, but now we've got, you know, we've got sort of 38 songs in a sort of repertoire. So we, we've got a set for the summer. So now when we're rehearsing, we're not learning new songs. We're just sort of refining what we've got and making it better each time. So we, it feels really good. And it's just really comfortable up on stage now. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. So absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. So... Yeah, we're, we're, there's talk of mini tour over winter and next summer and stuff. So yeah, but every, we're all the, the four of us in the band are loving it. So it's good. So how good. how would you do a tour? Would you how would that how would that how would you in your mind thinking about obviously, you know you don't you think about months on end, but obviously it would wouldn't be like that. How would you manage a tour? Well, our bass player he's um, he works in the music school. He's a music teacher. Um, so he, he works with other bands and stuff as well. So, he, you know, he's well in with the sort of, you know, the industry, I suppose. Um, but we've got ski resorts just sort of two hours away from us. Um, and what he's planning is a, a ski resort tour. So, you know, you, you, you do, you know, you do a bar at a ski resort, go over the mountain to the next resort the next night and do another another bar there. Um, so we'd book in sort of five nights, a different bar each night in ski resorts. Um They'd put us up, they'd feed us, you know, and that kind of thing. So, it could, yeah, it could be fun. So that's what we're talking about for um, February time. And then this time next year, going back to the UK and doing five days in the UK as well for a bit of a summer tour and just doing, you know, UK sort of pubs and clubs, that kind of thing. you got to lock these guys into a contract. What if, what, if, <laughs> what, if, what if your bass player decides to fuck off? But honestly, we're all loving it as much as anything. And finally, we're all really getting on you know we're, we're you know we love spending time together and stuff so it's, it's it's really good it's a really good situation to be in and yeah very considering where we live we're so remote very fortunate to find three others that um have the same sort of ambition as me you know so it's yeah it's all good it's all look good. at you look at you we, i watched uh, my wife and my kid have been loving the sex pistols mo- uh, show how good is that it's good i, I finished it this week I watched yeah. a little bit of it, and I was thinking about I, there was the I, the scene that I watched was he, the guy had to fire one of the, the they they told yeah they, the bass player they yeah. had to fire <laughs> the bass player, and the, the manager grabs him. He says, "You got to get rid of him because Johnny Rotten's not going to stay with the band unless you get yeah. rid of him." And he takes him into the bathroom, and they walking around the urinals, and he says, "You got the sick man, you got the sick." Yeah. And all I can think of is like this is the the Craig Lockwood story, twenty twenty two. He's in it's good. right around the urinals, sacking the bass. <laughs> I think they play it really well, especially the Johnny Rotten character. I think he's got the, the mannerisms, and um, it's good. Is yeah, I enjoyed it. So really everything good. else is good. Business is good, or business is good. Um, I, <laughs> I sent you a text just before we come online, yes, and did. it's an email received today. So that's going to be in our dilemmas today. Okay. Um, which yeah, we bring up later. But yeah, it's good. I've got I've got this you know this this restaurant order I'm doing with the uh, the hemp knives, and there's a few other little bits of bobs going on. Um, it's good. It's good. But it's just so damn hot, so damn hot that it, it's difficult to do much. And now that you moved into the new place, is how how is the shop? It's functional 
but not right, if you know what I mean. I, I can use what I need to do, but, you know, I'm using bloody extension cords everywhere and, you know, things aren't in the right places and all the rest of it. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's functional. So How much more work needs to be done for it to be <clears throat> Craig Lockwood, chop knives ready? Before we're fully up and going again, how I want it. I'd say maybe two months, maybe two months. Right. Um, but, you know, I say it is functional. I can, I can do what I need, uh, but it's just a little bit harder than it should be, that's all. You know? well, this is how things grow, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So what about you? What's been going on? Where do we start? Well, last time we spoke, I had to write a speech for this sculpture project. And you were on TV. I was TV on with TV that I did not post because I tell you what, <laughs> I understand why people don't like the media because these local. All right, so I made a sculpture. I talked about it last week. I'm going to go into great detail next week's episode of Full Blast with Lee Arapach. We're going to talk about the where it came from, the sculpture, the guns, the, the whole the whole thing. Hmm. I have went out of my way to make this as not controversial as possible with the most controversial subject matter of all time. Yeah. And no matter who I talk to, no matter how I try to put it in the hands of someone to explain it in a very normal, that makes sense kind of way, it's always been taken incorrectly. So even right. even the TV guys, they were just making shit up. And it was like, you know, they had a story to run. They knew what they had. They asked me two questions and it was like it was I was like slightly embarrassed, to be honest with you, because it was really a mischaracterization of what I was doing. So, which is fine. And I've come to the conclusion that I am not in control. Uh, I'm only in control of what I can put out there. I'm not in control of what people's interpretations of what i do are even if there people think correct. of it yes yeah so even my friend uh i actually just i just finished a wrapped a video with a friend of mine who's doing a video for us for a fader knives for our oyster shucker and i had this idea and i wanted to do uh, uh a number of, you know a year ago I, I cooked in the shop with charlie palmer and i had a big steel plate and i heated up in the even heat i used my even heat kiln to heat this plate up I mean, you can drop it in there anytime you want. But and then, so I'm I I I did a demo. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even <laughs> Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And you know what I'm going to say? If you go to knifetalk.net forward slash eat, that will take you to Salt Ceramics, who are a distributor of Even Heat, and you'll get seventy five dollars off and free shipping in the US, and they have stock ready to ship now. So make sure you go there, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. We put that description down in the uh, down in the description. Sorry, Jack. No, you were saying, no, you were. I was. <laughs> tell me about your muscles. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, come on. Man. <laughs> so I did a demo. We're, we're going to release the uh, hinge cracker oyster knife in the in the Neptune Sunrise colors. And Tony was going to come down, and he he, he just couldn't do it. Uh, and um, so I did a demo on how you open an oyster with the oyster knife. And I got a dozen oysters. They were the smallest fucking oysters. I couldn't find any oysters that were any big. And I opened all 12 without any problems. It was like, hey, this oyster knife's pretty good. Not bad, not bad. Mm -hmm. So I did a demo on how to open the oysters. And then I did the charbroiled oyster recipe. But I cooked nice. it with uh, you know, on a plate, a sizzle platter, 
with uh, the, with this 1500 degree piece of steel cooking over the top. Oof. So we just finished that just now. And but it was funny because my friend, so, sorry, is the is the cooking on the video as well? Yeah, the cooking's on the video too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I we used the plate in the shop, and I heated the plate up, and then I used one, two, three blocks to raise it above the oysters. And then it just like fucking, dish- I mean, it cooked them perfectly. I mean, they were delicious. And the the guy who did the video, my friend Fred, he di- he he hates oysters. And I said, you just got to try these. And he's like, these I love. So it was like great. So we're gonna put that up at some point. And then, uh, but it was interesting because Fred does this. He's got a pod. He's got a um, in town. He's got peak scale exurbanist. He, it's this great kind of like. You know, it's it's like about town and the area around us and stuff like that. And he did this great video about the sculpture. But he, he we were talking today, and I, even he knew what he was trying to like co-opt a little bit of the story of it all and change it around and make it a little bit more appealing to the uh, Instagram algorithm. And we, we got yes, some, yeah. so it's like I can't control my narrative. So we're, I'm just going to do a whole thing, and that's the end of it. But the funny part was, so I just said, oh, I'm not going to wing the speech. I'm going to write a speech. I'm going to make it short as if I wanted to listen to it. So a minute and a half is perfect. And then um, they unveiled it. The, it was beautiful out. The police chief was there. All these police officers were there. Then the mayor was there and the city council was there. And the head of the, the, um, uh, the uh, whatchamacallit, a school, superintendent of schools. It was like all the big mockers in the, in the town. And the best part about the whole thing is they each took me aside and said they re- let this huge sigh of relief out because I think that there was this idea that I was just going to do a giant fuck you in, in guns. Yeah. And because the city was involved or the police department was involved, I mean, they really don't know me. I mean, they know me as the knife guy or the sculptor, whatever. So they don't know how, how sub, you know, subversive I can be. So they just were hoping for four years that I wasn't going to motherfuck them, and they they all re, you know they were just we are so relieved that we are so we can't thank you enough. It's like I just don't want to have to clean up after you. So yeah, that was good. Awesome. But the the funny story is so the funny story is is I had my doctor's appointment today. I had my blood work done and, and everything like that. And a number of episodes, probably a year ago or a little under a year ago I did a, I had an episode on this podcast where I said that I had to go to see a, uh, a urologist they said my prostate was big and then I told the story of how the woman was kind of mad at me like she didn't think I should have been there like she was she said, why are you here and I said oh, this doctor told me I should be here and how do you know and you had to go back in the thing but this woman really kind of fucking put her finger up my ass in the most aggressive way possible I mean this was so that was the story. So when I was talking to my normal doctor, he says, well, how come you went to get a PSA? It's the prostate thing. And I said, well, this doctor told me. He's like, really? And I, you know, I was telling him the whole story. I said, and I said, the funny thing was, was the gas, the um, urologist was not happy with, she was just like aggressive with me. And he said, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she thought I was looking for sexual favors. And he says, well, let me look up. Let me look the, let me look the, the, the file up. He looks up the file and he starts laughing because the notes that the urologist wrote were like, this fucking guy came in here. He doesn't need to finger up his ass. And it was just like, so it was everything I said, but just a little bit more like more aggressive. And then my doctor just started laughing. He's like, what the fuck did you do? What did you do to this woman? I'm like, I didn't do anything. But I was just like, I know that it was, she wasn't happy to see me. And it was, it was like, it was like all, it was just nasty in the notes. So, well, 
we I was out for lunch today because so my sister's over at the moment, so we're out for lunch. We're out, out there in this baking heat, and we, we were texting myself and you, weren't we? Uh, a few texts, yeah. Um, and you said, well, "I'm going for my physical in an hour." So I sent you know, the classic emoji, as you'd imagine, which was the chocolate ring donut right. finger going into it. And you, you, but your response was, "Not this time. I had that already." But then the next word was blood. You just said, "Not this time. I had that already." blood what so i that's what you wrote so i assumed i wrote blood work <laughs> that there was blood involved in the in the in the exam the rectal examination <laughs> oh ew so, so i said to my wife oh, no, i'm not I'm eating the steak at the time i'm like jesus look at ugh, look at this and she's like no he's going for bloods this time and i was like oh, okay oh i'm sorry it was just I the grammar I, yes. I, I, yeah. I was blood work i i'm sorry for <laughs> disgusting you it wasn't necessary i mean obviously lost in translation Yes, exactly. But uh, yeah. it, everything's good, and uh, you know we're onward and upward. I'm actually working on some knives. Besides, I finished the the, the butcher knives. I finished twenty butcher knives, which are great, yes. and they look great. And we're we're really kind of not promoting them a lot because I I've made in every batch we pre-ordered, I put more in. So we're having stuff in stock, so people can go to the website and buy things like. The forks. I made a, a pile extra forks, and what the yeah. cool thing was is I'll get an order and then I'll just look in the drawer, grab a fork, put it in the bail, and it's like the dream to have this stuff in stock between the hats and the shirts and the fucking prints and the everything. Having stuff in stock and I can just pick it up, put it in a box, and ship it is like the dream. So we're doing that now, and it's like great. And then um, last thing is I'm finishing off a set of. Knives for a friend of mine who I've known for a long time, and it's like color lab, crazy color lab. And we're start, going to start to do some new things for next year that I'm really excited about, like more hidden tank stuff with G10. That's what I was wondering. So these colors of your butcher's knives, yeah. they follow those that same color lab and the same sort of yes. colors and yes. patterns of, of your previous knives yeah. this year. So have you decided on a color scheme for next year? Because I think you said you're going to change them each year. It's tough because color. I have a few different ones that I love. And I was just talking to my business partner, Tony, about it. And we were talking about, like, you know, maybe doing some wild card sets where besides having something that's palatable. And, and it, there's, a, it, there's a lot of, like, thought to what's going on. And Tony's a little bit more focused on, like, kind of making it understandable. And we're going to – I'm working on – I have, like, four different models that I've done that I like. But I'm just not 100% sure if I want – that one to be the one for next year. So that's right. the that's the I got the problems I have. I'm not happy. I'm not unhappy with like part of, part of me wants to do bubble gum lift ticket, which has got pink in it and stuff like that. But then I'm like, eh, I did too much blue this year. And there's some other things I've done that I really like, and I might bring back this color. I did black lightning. I did it a couple of years ago. I might bring that back. And it's it's all kind of fun stuff, but it's very thoughtful. Mm. And and I'm 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 kind of really bringing back to like the sculpture, like the sculpture stuff in terms of like being thoughtful and thinking about things and trying yeah. to be as thoughtful as possible. So yeah. But the good. idea is you will have a signature color set again each year. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Neptune sunrise is going to be retired as of this January, December 31st. We're going to lock it up. That's it. So it's nice. cool. And we have still lots of orders to do and we have, you know, we're dropping a new knife every, what are we doing? Like almost every month and a half, 
So we'll get the oyster knife coming up, and then we're going to pairing knives, and it's cool. It's it's fun. It's super fun. So Cool. Cool. Okay, let me tell everybody about these guys. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Exactly. Do it now. Shall we do some questions? We have questions. We have listener feedback. We're bringing back the hot takes this week. So whatever you want, okay. dilemmas, questions. Yeah, let's start with a few questions and we can dip in and out, I suppose. Whatever you want. The first is from J Mod Knives. And again, they've contacted us via Instagram, um, a DM at Knife Talk Podcast. Um, and they said, got a question for you. You think if I drop my 170-pound anvil off the side of a 12-inch half po- 12-foot half pipe... Uh, onto an old skateboard, the anvil will break. I think it could make for some pretty rad footage. Keep in mind, I'm in Arizona, and the ground is pretty hard. Let me set this up, because I kind of went back and forth with him. So J-Mod Knives is a really great skateboarder, and he makes knives. He's the guy. Right, okay, yeah. He set up, you know, these skateboarders, they do videos, and they're amazing, and they do aerial tricks and stuff like that. So he sent me a picture. He set up his anvil on the anvil stand on the top of the ramp. I don't even know how he got up a 175-pound anvil on the top of the ramp. And then he, the idea was he wanted to drop it in slow motion onto the skateboard. So I thought originally he was going to tie the skateboard, the anvil to the skateboard and ride it down the... Ride it down, right, yeah. But he wants to drop it off 12 feet onto uh. the skateboard and watch the skateboard, you know, smash to smithereens but he's worried the anvil might break you would have thought so if it's if it's cast you would certainly would have thought so wouldn't you it would crack well if there's give i don't think anything will happen i think the only what i said to him i thought the only thing i thought could happen would break would be if it went straight down on the horn you know because my fisher uh, that I have Fisher Anvil has got a, a cast. It's cast, but it's got a hard, hardened top, and the top of it broke off. And the top of it broke off for various reasons. One is because there, it seemed as though there wasn't it wasn't forge welded 100 percent between the tip of the nose and the, the body. That can happen, um, or you know, all that weight going on the way that nose that could break it too. So the only thing I really thought of was you could if it fell and it hit horn first the horn might break place your bets ladies and gentlemen jmod knives you need to do this in the name of science for us all go follow so jmod knives and see what he does because he's doing some yeah, video he, exactly. he put it up there that that, that anvil got to come down somehow yeah in slow-mo um it's certainly going to wreck the skateboard certainly gonna, um i'm thinking it's just going to crack i would have thought it would just crack straight through the anvil but what do I know? See, you know? I think this is what I think is going to happen because it's on the ground. It's not on asphalt. It's on the ground. I think there's enough flex in the skateboard that it's going to flex a little bit and maybe bounce. And then because the, it's it's kind of soft ground, I feel like it's going to bounce off. Mm. I think there's going to be some bouncing, and then someone's going to say, "Oh, you know what you're talking about? It's going to." So we're going to find J-Mod knives. You got to send us a video. See, we need to know what's going to happen. We need to know yeah. what happens to the anvil and the skateboard. And everybody should just follow J-Mod knives. Everyone follow yourself. J-Mod knives. There you go. There we go. The next one comes from DFM Toolworks. Hey guys, question for you and the listeners. 
If I'm trying to show off the glowing steel in videos, should I film at dawn slash dusk or film in the dark with minor backlight? I want to shamelessly plug our new rounding hammers in those videos. Thanks, JT. JT. Is this like the YouTube help section now? We've had two about videos. Yeah. The, we, yeah. we know nothing about videos. Well, you know more about videos than I do. <laughs> I don't know shit about videos. And when you get a chance, JT, we've talked a number of times, a lot of, in the DMs. I don't know your full name. So at some point, you got to send me your name so I know who you are because you're, we met at uh, Maker Camp a number of years ago and we've had nice conversations. But mm. I don't know your full name, so... DF so he wants to M. show the hot glowing steel in videos. So obviously, it needs, it needs to be dark. Um, what I'd say is probably have some sort of light, um, not from behind you, but from in front. So when you put your your hammer there, you'll be able to see like the silhouette of it, and the shape of it. It'd be quite dramatic. Um, you know, with with the, with, the, with the, you know the glowing red as well. But then, if behind, rather than just have black. I'd have some sort of smoke or something as well, just so you've got a bit of movement, you know? I think it could look, look, especially in slow motion, it could look really cool. Um, but yeah, and you just need to, you know, use some sort of uh, post-processing and just bang up that contrast so the blacks are blacker and, the, you know, the red is redder. Um, and just make it as dramatic as possible, I suppose. But, you know, what do we know about that sort of thing? Actually, I'm going to ask you a question. I have a photo question because, and I know that a lot of other knife makers know this too, that when you film hot steel, you know, over mm. 1,500 degrees, it, the light source is different or it's brighter in the image than it actually is in reality. Like today when we were filming with this, uh, we were filming this steel plate, and I, I said to him, like, well, it's going to look a little darker in real life, but once it's... Because once you start to hit it with the camera, it's going to be a lot brighter. Why does that happen? You know what I'm talking about? No, no. Maybe your the screen that you're using to view it on, you just got brightness up too high. Maybe I, I don't oh. know. It, sh- it should give a, a good representation of what's says so, you know on digital. It should be a a good representation of what's being captured. Um, but yeah, use something. You know, use use something. Whether it's using Premiere or Final Cut or whatever, you can you know you can make those blacks blacker, and you can make the you know the lights lighter. You know, by adjusting the contrast and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it could be a really cool video. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, his rounding hammers are cool because they're machined and they're like they look like they're twisted. Mm. They're like these. It's really he's a really talented guy and incredibly a talented machinist. He, I know he sells uh, kind of machinist tools, like mm. uh, very machined scribes and and triangles and rulers and stuff like that. He's a he's a dynamite guy. Cool. Cool. Okay, we'll do one more, and then maybe we'll do some um, hot takes. Yeah. Um, nice handmade knives. Again on Instagram, um, they've asked, Hey, cuties, can I ask you a question? I have a 2x48 grinder currently. I have no issues with it, but I'm always finding myself on the Broadback Ironworks page looking at grinders. Do you feel it is a want versus need purchase for me by making the jump to a 2x72? Besides the belt life and the heat buildup, is it a major performance difference that will warrant the investment? Um, and he says, cue the ad read, Craig. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's that thing. If, if you're happy with your work and, you know, who are we to say you need to go out and buy a, buy a broadback? Because if you're happy with what you're doing and you think you're doing a great job, 
Um, but maybe if you if you're in a you know if you're local to somebody else who has a two by seventy two, just go and feel it. It doesn't have to be a broad back. It could be any two by seventy two. Just go and see the difference, um, and, and see if it works for you. Um, belt availability is probably a big thing as well. You probably get cheaper two by seventy twos, even though there's more abrasive on them, just because they're more commonly purchased. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say go and use somebody's. But if you if you're happy with you've got not. You know, don't necessarily have to have a two by just because you know other people do. You don't. You, you don't have to. What, what are you thinking? Well, speaking. You know, that's interesting that you said that because I didn't really think. I hate consumables. That's the one part about like everything that's the worst. And the worst part about having to buy consumables is a drag. The fact that two by seventy twos are the the belts are very well. They're very easily available because they're relatively common to more than just industrial people. If there was a bigger belt, obviously, and it was more common, it would be easier to get a hold of. I think that the real issue with the, the not issue, but the, the benefit of the 2x72 grinder is you're optimizing more abrasive. So you're not, you know, you're gaining, you're gaining a lot more use out of the time that you're on the grinder. And they're more optimized for heavy duty use. So I mean the two by forty eights are great. I mean two by forty eights are great and all those stuff's great, but the two by seventy two is just you're you're optimizing your work for a little bit kind of closer to being industrial. Yeah. Yeah. And look, whilst we're on the subject of broadback grinders, um I'm gonna tell you about something else that they do. It's not actually a grinder. Well technically it is. They've got a new sharpening system. Um and this is a one by forty two belt this thing uses. Um, they've got 25 units available. Um, it's $1,200 for the sharpener, 200 for the guide system. So if you need to set the angles, if you, you know, you need a bit more experience, that kind of thing, there's an angle setter for that as well. Um, you can take a knife from, you know, cutting that secondary bevel to raise a sharp in just about five minutes. It's the only sharpening system on the market that's capable of sharpening hollow, convex, and flat secondary bevels. Variable speeds, high torque at low RPMs, and it's, you know it's going to be good because those guys are building it and they make great grinders. So if they're building any machine, you know they put a lot of time and effort into it. So go take a look, broadpeckironworks.com. Um, have a look at the stuff they've got. It's not just grinders. They've got this new sharpening system and it looks fantastic. I'm just looking, reading through the details now. It Yeah, it sounds a bit special. So go take a look. You know, actually, before we go into hot takes, I'd like to do a little listener feedback because we have to tie up some loose ends. Yeah, um, okay. And if you, if the listener, you want to in, get involved, you know, send us your send us your thoughts. Or if, if somebody says something and you want to, like, you know, give a point, don't send photos. You guys send photos. I can't use photos on a podcast. Doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't help me that much. Um, but you can go to Knife Talk on Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and send us all your stuff. So, a number of months ago, or a number of episodes ago, we had a call. We had a, a message from Fallback Forge, and what he said was that he had sold a knife to a guy, and then it was late in coming, or didn't come right, didn't come right away. So instead of yes. instead of uh, contacting Fall uh, Fallback Forge, he contacted PayPal, and then basically wanted his money back directly from PayPal. 
mm-hmm. and he was telling us, what do you do in the situation? You know, it's just because it's missing and stuff like that. And we gave us our opinion and he gave us the follow-up what happened. And so, so you, you, that, that makes sense. I set it up right. Right. It's, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Okay. That's what happened. So time, he yeah. wrote back, he says, here's some follow-up. Uh, PayPal decided that I'm responsible for the USPS losing the package. So that's fun. And I think I'm most annoyed that he went straight to PayPal, the PayPal to dispute the issue. He didn't ask me for a refund. He didn't file a claim with the post office, went straight to PayPal because he knew they'd snatch that money from me the moment he hit submit. So this is an issue that people are having. I know that Mert Tansu had the same problem with a guy who turned out to be a scammer where you send, you know, you pay through PayPal and then PayPal protects the buyer. Yeah. And with very little human contact. So it's, you don't have a lot of you don't have a lot in regards to you know a trial or any type of arbitration or yeah. anything like that. So this guy and I, and I do agree that they should be protecting the buyer, definitely. But as you said, the, the lack of being able to contact right. PayPal as the seller is a real, real huge problem, massive problem. We're, we we deal with all these things. You know, life and society are not gray issues. I mean, are gray issues. Everything is not black and white. And unfortunately, we get in these positions where you're dealing with these gray issues and they're just not easy to deal with. And it sucks. And, and um, it sucks. It's, it sucks. And I feel bad for this guy. And um, I know that a lot of other people really stay away from PayPal for this reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, PayPal is convenient, and that's unfortunately the reason why we use it so much. And, and another thing that, that can happen is um, I think what happens here in Europe is if somebody goes to PayPal and says, I haven't received something, they will then take the money from the buyer back. But I don't think it goes to the um, immediately to the person who who bought I think it's sort of held in like it's almost like an escrow kind of thing until it's until the mediation is sorted out. Whereas if they went straight to the the seller and said, "Look, I haven't received this. Could I have a discount?" The seller is available to is, you know can give an immediate discount. Uh, sorry, uh, refund, not discount, refund. Um, so sometimes it's not always better for the uh, for the buyer to do to do. It's getting complicated talking about buyers and of sellers. Course. But yeah, but but sometimes it's it, you know it, it can be a detriment to, to both parties. You know. Um, but yeah, it's just that lack of contact, you know, with, with PayPal is a real, a real head fuck, head fuck, which this brings me nicely to a dilemma that I have this week, actually. Okay. So, um, I, ooh, maybe about 18 months ago, two years ago, I was doing something called the sustainable knife, which was a, um, all re- recycled steel. It was recycled handles, um, and it, yeah, and it was it was made as green as I could possibly make it at the time. These knives, and to make them even more sustainable, they were sort of guaranteed for life. Uh, um, if you have a problem with it, or if you need sharpening, send it back. And then, you know, there's a bit of a premium added to the price for this, and I'd sharpen it and send it back. You know, the, the customer pays the shipping and all the rest of it. Um, I had one. I think the email came through either this morning or yesterday, where. Um, they said, "Oh, no, is there any way you could repair this?" I, I, I remember you saying they, they were they were guaranteed for life, but is there any way this could be repaired? And what had happened? These knives they had a recycled plastic handle. Um, there was like a smoky grey. You may, you may sort of right. remember how they looked. Sure, sure. Um, and this picture clearly shows that the knife has been sort of the handle has been sort of 
rested on something super hot, whether it's a hot pan or a grill or something, and it's just melted through. You know, a clear, defined line where it's been right. rested on, on this thing. Like a crater almost. Exactly, yeah. And, it's, and it being plastic, it's just melted straight through, like a, like a hot, but, like, you know, hot knife through butter. I'm, I'm sure it would have gone that fast. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a dilemma. Now, does the guarantee cover this? Because this is clearly sort of misuse. But my word at the time was, you know, any problems, I'll fix it. You know, so, you know, in this case, I'm going to fix it. I'll put a new handle on it and I'll send it back up. But I'm thinking, in, do I need to, you know, ch- I, I do obviously need to change the wording of that, you know? It needs to be, you know, fair use or, you know, how you'd normally use a knife. You know, any knife that you lean on a hot pan, it's not going to do it well. It's not going to do do it, you know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's it's a real sort of, dynamic. obviously, with this time, I'm going to replace the handle and send it back. But I think I need to make it clear in the future that for this particular knife where it was, you know, guaranteed for life, and I still want to be able to do that. And I'm sure I'm sure you do with your knives as well. If anybody has an issue, you you know, you guarantee and you'll fix it up. But in this particular case, I just wonder what, what your response would have been to that. I know what my response would have been. I would have cursed, not at the person. <laughs> I would have got on the phone with Tony, and I would have just let it all out. I would have let it all out. And I say, I do, I do that all the time. He, he yeah. loves it. He thinks it's funny. Because he knows that I will talk my way completely around from this. What a dummy. I can't believe. What are you doing? What is he cooking his knives? What is going on here? To me, being like, I'll take care of it. I'll take care exactly. of it. Because <laughs> some of those things, some of the repairs that I do are, are so few and far between mm. that it's like, you know what? I would prefer, me personally, I would prefer, and in regards to the guy before, um, in regards to the PayPal thing, I had, uh, recently I have a customer who changed his address, but he, he didn't realize that he had changed his address on an order. Uh, yes, I've had a few but of them. But he the also didn't realize, he assumed that the, the, the shipping wouldn't be a problem to this address yeah. because it was under construction or something like that. I sent everything, sent everything, and he says, oh, by the way, is there any way you can change the address? I said, I sent it, like, you know, a week ago. Mm. And he says, well, because my contractor said he couldn't get it or anything like that. And, and I said, well, here's what I'll do. And this is a good customer of mine. It wasn't a lot of stuff. Um, I said, you know, it seems you can contact the post office because it didn't get returned to me. It says it was delivered to, like, a locker go look at the locker and figure it out. And I said to him, and I wrote to him, I said, if there's a problem, I'll take care of you. And just, just the idea of me not like making this guy jump through hoops, mm. this, just giving him the resurgence that I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, go call him up or here's your tracking number. Go see if, go to the, wherever this locker might be and see if they have it. And if for some reason it's gone, I got you. Yeah. That was enough for this guy to be like, ah. as opposed to being like, well, that's not my problem. I know so many that my, that's not my problem, guys. And the interesting thing is with these people who get into what they think is the right way of doing business, you, you get, you're making more problems than it's, than it's worth. You know, being, having customer service is, is monumental in regards to number one, your perception. But the other thing is, is how your, your customers treat you, mm, yeah. you know? Cause I mean, the, the, this guy might say, Hey, the, you know, 
you know, cr- yeah, I burnt I burnt the shit out of my knife. I, I was I was putting it on. I was using it, I was using it to make s'mores or something like that. I get a hold of Craig, and I'm being a little bit like I know that if I were that dude, number one, Craig, I would have said, "Listen, I fucked this up. Is there any way that I can pay you? Because this is my fault. It, clearly, it is clear what's happened. It is clear. D- just to be fair, they weren't confrontational in any way. Yeah, they just said, "Oh, I remember at the time you said they'd be guaranteed for life. Is, you know, could this be? Could I would have paid. That's what they're I would have made. Here's what. Quite nice. If I'm that guy, here's what I'm saying to you. I know exactly what I'm saying and not saying. I'm saying to you, hi, Craig. Uh, you know, I just, I, I took my knife and, you know, I just used it for, you know, I used it to, uh, you know, move some wood around in the fireplace or something like that and melted it. I know you did a lifetime guarantee and I feel guilty because I know this is my fault. Would you take a little bit of money for, for, to fix this problem? And give me both answers and I'll tell you how I feel. Um, in this case, what I'm doing is I'm doing it. You know, right. I was, I was, no, no, no. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's what I'd say in, the, in this in this particular instance. Right. That's what's happening here. Good. Tell me. Tell me. Um, tell me. I'll take your money. Tell me. I. Uh, so I'm going to say. Okay. I'm going to say, Craig. Listen. I'll give you. I'll okay. pay you. I'll pay you. For, okay. 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 Hello, Craig. Drop knives. How can I help? Hey, you? Hey, Craig. Uh, it's Jeff. I. Uh, I got one of your knives. You know that? Nice. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank it you. It was the sustainable knife uh, project you did, and I love it. And it's my favorite cool. knife and everything like that, but I have one problem. And how's that go? Okay, you have a problem. Okay. I, I don't know how to say this. I was branding one of the cows on the ranch, and I accidentally hit the chef knife with the branding iron, and I melted... Well, I've, got a que- I've got a question for Please, you, then. Please, go ahead. You're clearly an idiot. <laughs> um, hey... But do you piss on your boots before you wear them? <laughs> how did you? How did you know? I went to my urologist, and she said I should stop. I gotta stop pissing on my boots. I got a urinary tract infection from all that. No, but seriously, so, you know, I so I know that I've I screwed this handle up, and I'm wondering, can I pay you to fix? Can I pay you to fix the handle? I know you said you said you said that it's lifetime guarantee, but I feel guilty because I know it's my fault. And if I give you a little bit of money, will you take it to fix my handle? Yeah, as I say, it was a lifetime guarantee, but this is clearly misuse. I didn't design this to be branding cows. This was designed to be used as a as a kitchen tool. So I, yeah, I'll fix. It. I want you to be happy with a knife. I'll fix it, but you know, this may cost you I don't know a hundred dollars. You happy with that? <sighs> okay, all right. Thank you very much. I'll send it in the mail. Click. Cool. I'm hanging up on the phone. Click. Hill, but you've you've put the phone down quite quite pissed off too, haven't Hill, you? Hill, this motherfucker is taking my money. <laughs> <laughs> this guy didn't understand that I was being magnanimous and I was offering him money, and he's supposed to say, "No, no, no, that's okay. It's a lifetime guarantee." I swear to God, this cheap son of a bitch. I can't believe. And then she says to me, "Well, then why do you say you can offer him some money?" And I'm going to say, "Well, because I'm thinking I'm giving him the okie doke. I'm hoping he's going <laughs> to you're hoping he's going to be normal, and he's going to say, no, 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 no. I call my bluff. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what happens a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it it is a weird one, but in this case, it is my fault. It, uh, no, it's not my fault. Obviously, not my fault. Um, is it but, hard? Um, to, is it hard to replace it? Uh, well, yeah, it is really because it's. I, I need to I need to make more of that material to begin with. Oh, you don't have any more? You know? No, oh. no. So you know, but I need to make more anyway because I do want to do more of that stuff. So you know, 
But, um, yeah, so it's not the easiest, but I'll do it. But this is what I'd do if I was in that situation. Okay, right, I'm going to ring you okay, up. Okay, right? who am I? I'm am I Craig Lockwood? You. You're Craig okay. Lockwood of John Myers. <laughs> Craig Lockwood here. <laughs> <laughs> you prick. <laughs> Listen, Craig. Yes, um, yes, my wife was using one of your <laughs> knives. <laughs> She's only got to put it down on a hot what? pan, hasn't she? <laughs> so I what do you mean you about it? I want to make it happy. Is there any way you could fix this for me? Is there any way? <sighs> you know, it would be a huge favor. Well, a huge, huge favor. Is there any way you could fix this for me? Anything for love. Anything for love. <laughs> I once said See? to somebody, I think I once said that somebody told me that if I hooked them up, they're going to get laid. <laughs> and I said to him, you better get laid or I want the fucking knife back. <laughs> I want to see the tape. <laughs> I said, I, the, actually, funny enough, I had a woman who was desperate for, to, to get a knife. And this was a number of years ago. And she said to me, this knife I'm going to give to my boyfriend. I know that when I give him this knife, it will set the, it will set the, uh, the, the balls rolling for him to propose to me. Oh, wow. And well, I said, I said and it was, like a, it was like a tight deadline, and I was just like, anything for love, but let me tell you this, there better be a ring. And she said, what do you mean? I'm like, no ring, I get the knife back. And I left it <laughs> like that, I'm very quiet. She's like, are you serious? I'm just like, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> so I got, she ended up, and I was obviously kidding, you yes. know what I mean? Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting rejected from the, you know, all of a sudden you're totally rejected and you're like, back. all right, I'll have that knife back, you know? And she sent me a picture with, uh, with the wedding ring and everything like that. So it was a funny thing, but I do it. You know, I, as, as long, if you're a flea bag and you have nothing but problems, I mean, I can understand why you'd weasel your way out of it. But I mean, if it's not that often, it's better to have good PR. It's better to have like people say, ah, oh, this guy took care of me because in the knife making world, let me tell you what, Assholes are 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 spotlighted. <laughs> all your all your people that you have bad in, interactions with, I get I hear about. It. I'm not talking about you, Craig. I'm talking about in the knife. World. You get all the DMs. I get I hear every. I am like the knife talk. I'm the knife world's customer service. I hear all about it. I know all the, the skeletons in the closets. Trust me. So just do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it isn't karma. Yeah. Come to the conclusion that that's what I'm doing in this particular case. Perhaps that was an interesting question for you know for others as well. If they've been in that situation, what they would have done, you know. And it isn't karma. People say karma. It's not karma. It's the law of averages. If you do shitty things often, you're going to do it to the wrong person. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. that's not karma. Karma is you you know you do nice things and you don't turn you don't get reincarnated as a worm. You know that's karma. That's a good way of thinking about it. It's the law. It's of the law yeah, of averages. Exactly. If yeah, you're a yeah. shitty person. If you're a shitty person all the time, the law of averages means you're going to meet somebody who's going to, not going to take well to you being a shitty person. It's nothing to do with fucking karma. Yeah. It's just you're, nice. you're dumb, and then they're going to know it. If somebody's going to, you know, you're going to be stupid to the wrong guy. I had a friend, my, my college roommate, Miles. I love it. This guy, Miles, is one of the best bronze casters, glass blowers. Unbelievable. He, in college, he used to throw uh, firecrackers outside of the car when people were tailgating him. And it was dangerous. Obviously, you can throw firecrackers and cars behind you. They freak out. And we were with his dad one day, and his dad was just like, "Are you still throwing firecrackers out the window at cars behind him?" And he goes, "Well, you know, when they get too close." 
And his dad says, you can't do that. You know why? And I was thinking he was going to say, because you hurt somebody. He's going to say, you're going to hit the wrong guy. And he's going to hit you with a tire iron over your head. <laughs> yeah. So, thanks, yeah. Dad. Good, good, some good parenting right there. <laughs> I do like that. It's the law of averages. Yeah. Yeah. Fader has spoken. I, uh, I tell you about good customer service. The guys down there in Texas Fire Supply, uh, TexasFireSupply.com, uh, they've got everything you need. Um, whether you're a farrier or a knife maker, um, they do in DASA, which is the, you know, the sandpaper that we, we use, everybody uses because it's the best stuff. Um, they stock all that, but everything you'd possibly need as a knife maker at TexasFireSupply.com. If you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off the order. Um, and as I said, they also do Rhino Wet by Indasa. It's worth going there just to order your Rhino Wet. So go take a look. TexasFireSupply.com. Okay. What do we have? You said we, we got, got a bunch of things. Great hot takes. We still have listener feedback, but I think we've done enough listener feedback. There's there's a lot a lot of guys we were talking about using right angle grinders last week and saying that I yes, bet somebody yeah. could figure out a way to do a jig. Well, the floodgates open. There are a lot of YouTube videos of guys, you know, attaching threaded rod to the sides of their uh, uh, right angle grinders and making that exactly what I suggested. That Aaron Goff profiling jig. They're, they're on the they're on the YouTube. Three fingered engineers. They're on YouTube. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So uh, we're going to do hot takes. So we brought back hot takes. Hot takes are, uh, in journalism, a hot take is a piece of deliberately provocative commentary that's based almost entirely on shallow moralizing, usually written on tight deadlines with little research or reporting and even less thought. Okay? So that's, it's like a loud, fact-free declaration. I love hot takes. What have we got? But the best hot takes are the ones where they're really well written, and you guys did a good job. I'm going to just start it off with my own hot take. Um, I was listening to Work For It podcast, and they were talking about jigs and stuff like that. And we talk about this a lot, about using yeah, jigs. We did last week at length, yeah. yeah. We talk about, you know, there's this, you know, the idea that, you know, using jigs is cheating and these little these little spots where people get angry and whatever like that. So I was listening to it, and I was... I was I came up with a hot take to start the whole thing off and the hot take is this when you justify using jigs and rests and have to to make things work easier 
you can't have your feelings hurt when somebody calls you a stock removal guy. Can't have it both ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes so, sense, like, I suppose. Because yeah. there's a lot, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, that's what we say all the time. It's like that Seinfeld, like, you, are you gay? There's nothing, not that there's anything wrong with it. Are you a stock removal <laughs> guy? Not that there's anything wrong with it. There's a lot of, like, hurt feelings when you, when people are, like, you know, they're these, you know, you just can't have it both ways. Just take take yeah. it on the chin. No, I agree. Just be, I agree. have yeah. a, have a little bit of sense of humor and have a little bit of like, okay, fine. Nick Angé, my first meeting with him, and now we're f- friends, is he just called me stock removal guy. And I wasn't, I wasn't insulted by it, but I know that it was a little, it was a little bit cutting, but at the same time, it was just like, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Um, Jake Norris says, here's a hot take. Using, G- and this is his, I mean, it happened to be, it happened to be right after I wrote this that he put in this one. So Jake Norris says, here's a hot take. Using jigs and guides to make knives doesn't devalue the fact that they're handmade. Woodworkers have hundreds of jigs and no one questions them. I'm with you. So True. He, he, yeah. he takes the opposite point of my, uh, my point. that I, th- I just, you know, people have to figure, there, there's these strange, there are these strange little pecking order things. And it's like yeah. this alpha yeah. mailing each other and like what's righteous and what's not righteous. And like, yeah, it's tribal, isn't it? which club are you in kind of right. thing, you know? I mean, you want to pigeonhole everybody into a certain club so you know, you know what they're like then, you know what the other club is like and, and all that kind of thing. Well, yeah. it is interesting because talking, uh, talking to the guys who passed the ABS, you know, when you pass a journeyman smith, a master smith, you are leveling up to a certain degree. And they, what they, what I, I had Matt Stagmer, Will Stelter, James Fleming, and Nick Rossi on, and the audio is... Was, was Will Stelter there, was he? <sighs> Listen... I, I heard the audio. If, I wasn't sure if he was If, if, if <laughs> when I quit podcasting, when I quit podcasting, it will be completely <laughs> for technical reasons. It will not be for the work I put in, the energy yeah. I put in. It will always be for... Audio problems. So we had issues. Well, what happened was, was it was originally going to be Will, Will, James, and Matt, and then five. You know, less than the night before the podcast, Will says, "Hey, Nick Rossi's here. You want him on too? What are you going to do? Say no." The problem is, is because of Squadcast, you can't have so many people on. I can't have five people on. It just won't do it. And then, you know, did I give? Will a nice microphone and headset before you know like a year ago? Yeah, did he use it? No, <laughs> I can only do so much, you know. And then there's you know, it, 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 I was kicked out of Squadcast, and there was like a fucking lot of fooling around. It was a good episode, except for the audio was horrible, and it was like I never want to do it again. <laughs> you know, it was like yeah. let's hang it up. I don't fucking. I'm never gonna do five guys, four guys again. That's yeah, what she it's said. tricky. That's what she said. It's, <laughs> it's tricky when he's in different rooms using different equipment. Uh, yeah, it's. it's but it's when you start to get, when you talk to these guys and see the energy and time spent doing these performance tests and becoming journeyman smiths and realizing and putting their work under a microscope, there's a different level in regards to what they're doing. It's just the it's just the way it is. I mean, they make knives differently mm-hmm. now. And that's okay. You know, I, I, it is, there's these weird little fe- hurt feelings here and there. And, you know, what can you do? You know, what can you do? So there's, there's definitely a place for, you know, traditional craftsmanship, you know, without a doubt. Um, but my point of view is I want to get to making something that performs well and looks well 
as quickly as possible. Um, if I'm doing something that makes something just because it's, if I do something quickly, just be just because it's quicker, and if it's to the detriment of the product, I wouldn't do it. Um, but my thinking is everything that I do allows me to get the performance that I want quickly, and that's that's my sort of ha- that's my sort of happy place there. Right. And you know, and we always I always talk about you know there's different levels to what we do. You know, Mareko's on a completely different level to what I, I mean. You do things differently the way I do them too. Um, and everybody's got to find their level, you know, where they're happy. You know, there's going to be people out there that they're like, well, I'm not even going to use electricity. You know, I'm not going to use grinders. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it completely all as people would have done it 300 years ago. And that's their thing, which is fine. And there's other people who will literally just buy everything and put things together. That's their thing. Right. That's fine. There's no right or wrong. <laughs> but there's also, under the auspices of not being completely transparent, Yes. There's a lot yes. more of like, you know, and it it also it also falls upon originality. Like I'm, I'm having to work harder, so my stuff is harder to copy, and a lot of it is, and it, being influenced is fine. I'm I'm influenced by a lot of people in terms of styles and in terms of approaches and stuff like that, but in terms of like. What happens, I find, that when people do interpretive work that's inspired by someone, and what happens is it be, they, 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 don't, they take it upon themselves, they take it upon their own, but it's almost glossed over that it was inspired by someone else, you know? Mm. And that, I think yeah. that that falls under the same, the, same, the same style, the same idea as... You know, I, I saw a guy, some guys, you know, some guys using the same verbiage I do, you know, for, for his handles or stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just, there's, there's stuff that is, you know, it's something to think about. And I can understand why people get upset about certain things. I can understand why people are like, why, you, you know, you know uh, similarities are the sincerest form of flattery. Uh, if I did all the hard work and then you're just kind of like, you know, I worked like a dog, you know, some guys work like dogs for years and years and years and years and years. And then you just kind of like figure out what they did at the last two steps of the situation. Mm-hmm. Eh, I can't understand why people get upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I see more and more um, that I mean, I spend less and less time on Instagram anyway, looking, you know, looking at knives. But um, I've seen it more and more over the over the last year, maybe of people commenting on people's works in that looks very much like. And they'll they'll tag the person's right. work, you know, and and I think that's a bit shitty as well, doing that, you know, you know, it's so publicly, uh-huh. when you know, quite often the response is, oh, I didn't even know about their work. I'll go take a look. Oh, it's pretty cool, you know. And that's generally the conversation that then happens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's some people sometimes just trying to call people out, saying, oh, I can I can see what you've done there, kind of thing. I think that some people, I think that there's there's loyalty. I think that there's people who people who do that see the amount of work that someone else has done. And that they're, it's almost like a sense of defending that person's honor without them knowing about it. It's hard, man. And in the blacksmithing world, it's even harder. It's harder to make stuff completely your own. And And I'm really kind of finding myself, instead of being inspired by things that I've seen, I have inspired by experiences that I've had, but also kind of the mindset and approach that I've had from making the sculpture like the sculptures that i've done 
I know where they all come from and I can talk about them mm. and I can intellectually talk about them. And I've been really trying to use that same avenue with the knife designs, the color labs and the, all the, you know, the shapes. And I know all the things I've done, you know, like the forks and the, the offset serrated. I know where that came from and it came from a, a sincere place. And I can't tell people what to do. And I can't tell people that I should do this. And, and um, you know, when I came up with my friction folder, I was looking at a lot of different guys. I was looking at Nick Rossi stuff with Charlie Lionhearts. And I was trying to think, how can I make this my own? Like, how can I use my experience and the things that I like about sculpture, things I like about knife making, things that like I like about my knives and artistic approach to make this my own. And that was a very important goal of mine is how do I make this my own and not just like, you know, slapping together something that's clearly somebody else's, you know? Yeah. Ooh, hot takes yeah. got it's real a, hot today. Huh? Yes, yeah, uh, and that's yeah, it's a difficult one because we always say there's only so many ways you can make something, you know, sharp and pointy. But I think that um, we also use that as an ex, like a like a, an excuse or like that justifies, you know. It, I I just think that you know people make fun of being a sculptor, people being, being an artist, stuff like that. But there is much more philosophical thoughtfulness behind it that allows me i i think that it's my ed, my college education is more than is is more than just i went to art school you know it's, i have much more thoughtful in regards to my approach on everything so hmm. <sighs> nice. you, you want some more hot takes nice. yeah first of all let me tell everybody about dharma steel um if you don't know Dharma Steel, they make beautiful, beautiful um, stainless Damascus, um, the most amazing patterns. If you look at dharmasteel.se, you'll see the patterns that they make. All Swedish steel, uh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, they've got an Instagram, Dharma Steel Lab, and you'll see on the Instagram the kind of stuff people are making with Dharma Steel. Super, super high-end stuff. Um, so go take a look. Um, we can get you a discount as well. If you use Knife Talk, you'll get 10% off your order if you order directly with Dharma Steel, dharmasteel.se. Um, honestly, high-end, beautiful, beautiful stuff. So if you want to take your stuff to the next level or make something special for, you know, a, a special product in any way, go take a look, darmasteel.se. And, and they do pants. There we go. And last but not least in regards to that, if you do, if you follow along the ABS, you go, you know, test to be a journeyman smith, they want their knives to be very specific. So you, you, it is hard to have that innovation you know, at that level, they want it to look mm. a certain way. So that kind of individuality is frowned upon to a certain degree, and I respect it. I respect that they want it to be tight and in a specific way. So it's it's all very interesting. It's something to be – it's mm. not yes or no, good or bad. It's something to just be – think about, you know. Yeah. It's not yeah. not casting aspersions. Okay. And I suppose it, it, at that level, if, you can, if, you, if it's going to be, I mean, effectively being judged – you need to have constraints, don't you? Because you need to judge everybody on the same level. Right. You know, it's, it's yeah. You have so certain you, expectations. Certainly understand that, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, it makes it interesting. It makes it, it, once again, you're dealing with art versus craft and what's what. And I, I find it all to be, I find it all to be interesting. It doesn't, good or bad, it's just interesting. Yeah. So, here is another hot take from Isaac M. Isaac M says, hot take, people that sleep naked don't give a fuck about emergencies. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Mate, it's 39 degrees tonight. 
I do not give a fuck about the ever since, season. <laughs> ever since 9-11, I, when I get up out of bed, I put my clothes on for the day. I cannot tool around in my underpants. Because I, I drove my wife in my fucking cut-off sweatpants, shorts, and like slippers. I had to walk around all fucking New York like, a, like I was in my pajamas. It was terrible. <laughs> I agree completely. Uh, you got to just have your clothes nearby. Um, William McKinley says, here's a hot take. BMW drivers are no longer the worst drivers on the road. Tesla drivers are here, and they're taking the top spot by storm. <laughs> Not Range Rover drivers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Worse. But Tesla drivers yeah. really are something else. I tell you what, they they really they feel like that they've they kind of have a new ownership of the road. Yes, maybe ownership yeah. of the road. Rob <laughs> McKinnon says, "Here's a hot take. Hey, jackass! Just because you're dating my daughter doesn't mean I need to make a knife for you." That's quite what specific. Kind of fucking, that one. But <laughs> what kind of fucking, what kind of fucking dillweed ask ask is the, the 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 father of the daughter he's dating? Make me go make me a sandwich. Go make me a knife. Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> um, nice handmade knife says. Here's a hot take. It's cool to do your own heat treating for one offs, but when you do batches, save yourself time and uh, and outsource that shit. I may or may not be speaking out of hurt here because I don't own an even oven own an even heat. And thanks for the read. The segment he created, that segment we did a couple months ago, we're going to have to bring back is what was your strangest customer request? That was a segment that uh, Nice Hand made. Ah, uh, yes. Well, yeah, that was I a good one. Yeah. That was a real good segment. We got to do that again. Um, a couple more. Uh, Jean, John Marston says, here's a hot take. You can learn from your mistakes. And an ounce of good advice can save you from a ton of bad advice. Either way, quit your bitching. Enjoy the journey. John Mars. Enjoy the journey. There's one for your newsletter. That's right. One for my newsletter. One for my newsletter. Leonardo Lee says, here's a hot take. Ribs and chicken wings are the lowest form of meat because they're 50% bone. There's nothing you can do to them that can't, you can't do to other cuts and are actually made, that are actually made of food. So... Closer to the bone, the sweeter the meat. Oh, oh Lord, Lord. I'm getting hot now. I'm getting hot over here. Hot stuff. Craig in the... Here's, you know, you know the one thing that people don't talk about, and I know last week you got all horned up about your chicken wings and your pet yes. pork belly. And belly pork, yeah. Um, people never, ever, ever mention the reason why people like wings so much. The wing, the chicken wing, has the most bite-for-bite bite ratio of crispy skin to meat. There's no other part exactly. of a chicken yeah, exactly. like that. There's, you can't, yeah. you could take a bite out of any part of the chicken wing and have skin and and meat. So it makes it the perfect bite of chicken. Yeah. And that, you know, and for that reason, it's got that extra fat as well. And we all crave fat, don't we? Yeah. And in fact, we had chicken wings tonight too. So Look yeah. at you, chicken wing. Look at you. Big fan of the wing. You're a big fan of the <laughs> yeah. wing. J.D. Eiler yeah. says, super steels are unnecessary if you match proper heat treatment and proper steel to the intended use and proper design of a knife. And I have a, I have three more that they're 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 good they are good. This is an anonymous hot take because some people don't want to take the heat, which I understand completely. Anonymous hot take: since you have uh, since you have to sharpen and tune your knives from time to time anyway, there's really nothing wrong with a bamboo cutting board. Don't believe the hype. What's your opinion on bamboo cutting boards, Greg? I don't have one. Don't have an opinion. Um... I, from what I hear, they're not good, but uh, you know, I it's better than using 
glass pastry boards that I've seen many people use, you know? So uh, I don't really have an opinion. There's a lot there's a lot of people who feel that it's there's a I guess a famous knife company in uh California that's like going out of their way to like do videos or that are like cutting uh bamboo boards like axes and stuff like that because they destroy your the blades of your knives. Mm. I mean they're harder than regular wood. I mean, I think I've heard people say that for cutting boards, the best cutting boards are end cutting boards. End grain. Because yeah, it end kind grain of like boards, yeah. separates and then reheals itself or something like that. And it kind of like makes way for your blade. Yeah. But I, I think if, yeah, if you're using a wooden board, you're certainly going to do better than using, you know, a ceramic kitchen top or whatever. You know, I've seen people using. So, you know. It's better than nothing. Maybe you should send when you fix that knife for your guy. Maybe you should send him a, a cutting board too, because he seems like he's <laughs> putting a, a what you call it. I want to give a big shout out to Brigham Kendall. He wrote a very eloquent hot take: cutting water bottles to show how sharp your knife is is just a waste of water. That was like haiku <laughs> time. Haiku time. Yeah, and then I've done that once. It's fun to do though. I think that's the thing. It is fun to do. It's fun to do. It's fun to do, but it's like all these cutting tests, all I can think of is what are we cutting for dinner? Bottles? Or even the toilet mm. paper. They cut the toilet paper. What do you mean? Toilet paper for dinner? Like, yeah. make me a minute. It, it, does, it does impress the customer who's not really that much into knives. They'll just go, wow, look at that. That cuts through that. That's, that's amazing. You know, you see them on, on the shopping channels. People doing all these crazy things with knives. You think, wow, that's amazing. But yeah, in reality, how, yeah, how important is that? That will cut through that a was water bottle. Ginsu. That Ginsu. You remember Ginsu? Yes, yeah. They yeah. did a video where the first thing they did is cut through a leather shoe with the sole and everything. And then they cut through a tomato. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be a terrible tasting <laughs> tomato right now. Yeah. Um, and then the last hot take, good job, everybody, is from Corbett Foster. Here's a hot take. COVID will be eradicated before the New Jersey Steel Baron updates their website. <laughs> I fucking like that one. <laughs> God bless you, man. That was a fucking... Uh, even monkeypox, maybe, yeah. They're going to change the name of monkeypox. You know that? Really? It, that looks bad, by the way. <laughs> if you see people with monkeypox, you're just like, yo, I do not want this at all. Please. Yeah. I don't want this I, I, at all. I, I mean, you probably know more than me because your wife works in, you know, in, in sort of health. But to me, it just seems like the latest thing that the media can jump on. You know, I don't think it well, seems to be serious. I don't, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but like, you know, no. my my wife was on the COVID shit like the November, November of, mm. of twenty twenty of twenty nineteen. She was like, "This is a problem," and now she's saying oh. to me, "Now, this is going to be a problem." So it's I'm like, you know. Oh, <sighs> can you do man we gotta you gotta pick okay. your you gotta pick your battles every everybody you gotta deal with everything one day at a time and then sometimes you just gotta like let it alone leave it alone mm. you know look for the good look news. for the good i'll give people some good news especially the canadians yeah. out there um have you heard of maritimeknifesupply.com if you haven't what have you been doing um they sell everything that you need as a knife maker so with steel belts handle materials tools Forges and kilns, even they got it all. Um, they're even a Canadian distributor for combat abrasives as well, and rhinoette. So all the stuff that we love, they sell it all. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, and apparently, if you're in the US, they'll ship there as well, and you could save a bit of money because uh, you, you get the Canadian dollar as well. So take a look, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, and they're also Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram. You're doing that thing where you kind of like you're spinning around your chair or something. 
I'm not, but I can hear it cutting yeah. out. I can hear it in my in my ears. Yeah. They all come. They all um, come to me. And, let me just. They all come to me and they check that cable. They come to me and tell me. Trust me. I can hear it every now and again popping in and out, but I'm not moving. I'm with I you. Promise I'm you. With I promise I'm you. Just, this is just me letting after the audio apocalypse of a full blast podcast I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> letting people know because people are in my dms i have one time sensitive tough scenario let's do it uh this is from my friend henry hyde hyde handmade that's a fucking good follow ladies and gentlemen hyde handmade's the man i'm hopefully moving into a new shop that will be building out an empty industrial that uh that will be building out in an empty industrial space I essentially get to create the workspace that I want. Question is, other than the usual spaces, like a tiki bar and hand job lounge, what are you guys putting in <laughs> if you were in the same position? So you're the, you're the king idea. of, you're the king of, you're the king of, you're, you, you can build your shop however you want, an empty space, and you can yeah. add on whatever you want. You can add on your tiki lounge. Go ahead, tell me what you're um, going to... If you build it from scratch, get as much power in as possible. Um, PowerPoints, twice as many as you think you'd ever need, because um, the last thing you want to do is what I'm doing at the moment, which is extension cords all over the place. They're dangerous. They're, they're no good for anyone. Um, the most obvious is a separate room for grinding, um, because all that dust and shit, you don't want over, over certain things. Um, he wants the fun stuff, though. He wants the fun stuff too. Um, you got to get a beer fridge in there. Oh, then, there you go, the Henry. There you go. You need a, you definitely need a sofa because oh. you're going to need to sit and think a hell of a lot more than you think you'll need to. So get yourself a comfy sofa, some pillows. I mean, you may get tired a lot. Oh no! So you may want you may want a duvet. You may, you may want to put your feet up. Um, yeah, cold beer. Maybe a TV. Oh, for Maybe. fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you need a linen closet. You need a yeah. This is basically uh, yeah. It's basically an apartment you make in. You can just go and hide away. Yeah, that's that's what you. Need. I ha- I am embarrassed to say because I am a total. I used to have a shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. We built like this office. We put a couch in there, and we had a hmm. cot, and we had a refrigerator and a desk, and it was like this little like bunk. You know, it was like a little bunkhouse, and yeah, I just thought it was yeah. such a huge waste of space. Like it was, it was, I'm gonna hang it out in there, um, and then when I, in this shop here, I was gonna build because when Tony comes up, I kind of have a layout table and we, I keep that clean, and that's kind of our like conference table or whatever. I wanted yeah, to yeah. build. I thought it would be fun to build like a little cafe, like a not a banquet, but like a. I have this uh, whiskey barrel, and I wanted to make some chairs and make it like this kind of like a cafe style, like spot yeah. that you could sit at. And then I was just like. Don't you have enough to do? Do you really want to make a fucking cat? What do you? Who do you think you are? You nut! I'll make anything. So I don't know. I'm I'm not for frills in the shop. I in all seriousness, if if you are building the squat the from from scratch, try and stay away from that sort of industrial aesthetic. I think because then it's easy to make it look and and dirty. And you know, it, you know, and that kind of thing. If you try and you know, I, I've got white walls, and if it's dirty, it's obvious that it's dirty. So it keeps you on it a bit more, you know. Um, it, it's interesting that you say that because I worked in enough metal shops that were so gross that mm-hmm. when customers used to come to look at stuff, they were a little bit like appalled because it was like, how can I be spending this amount of money on this railing in this dump? 
And I, when I built this shop, I really wanted to have sculpture and I wanted to have art on the walls and I wanted to have, be light and I wanted it to be something where people could kind of imagine what goes on in here. And I wanted to look, and now, I mean, now, I mean, it's a disaster again, just because we've been working on 15 different deadlines at the same time. But I really wanted it to be a place where you're just like, when somebody comes in, they're just like, wow, this is where the magic happens, which is, I hate that expression more than anything else. But like, I want, I want that to be the, the, you know, you want that people to be like into what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You want it to be a nice, nice environment to work in too, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's exciting having a, having a completely new place to, to design how you want. Yeah, but th- I'd say that that number one thing is way more power than you think you'll ever need. That's probably the most important. Well, we can go in any direction you want. We got we got more tough scenarios. We have unsolicited advice. We have we can, we can Let, let's do a tough scenario. All right, uh, here's a tough scenario. This one comes from let me just kind of uh, sack handmade sack handmade. Um, with a T. Pardon me? With a T. Yeah, T-sack. Sack handmade. I have a dilemma. Currently, for stupid reasons, I have to. Pl- I have a place to make knives. I don't have a place to make knives or anything at the moment. Any tips on how to stay active around knife making or, or other things to improve my skills? And then I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I used to make knives in this apartment basement. The new neighbor came and started complaining about the noise which wasn't an issue when he just moved in, but all of a sudden he didn't like me or something. So I was banned from that workshop. Then I got an opportunity to make a shop in a garage of his boss, the boss's mom's house. Unfortunately, they passed away not long after I got there. And no, it wasn't because of me, haha. Um, rest in peace. Okay. So the house ended up being sold, and now I'm stuck without a workshop. Moving into a house in a couple of months where I'll be able to make a small shed in the space. What should I do to keep to maintain and keep my uh, keep working on my skills? So, hmm. I mean, there's, there's plenty of design. I'm, I, I spend a lot of time on 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 a computer, sort of designing what I'm going to be making. Um, so, you know, that's that's a skill set. Maybe if if you haven't got, maybe you could sort of develop. And you know, especially now with sort of, I, I can hear my voice cutting in and out. Yeah, there's a, there's a problem here. I don't. I'll, I'll sort it for next week. I don't know what's going on. Um, but, um, yeah, maybe get into sort of, you know, you know, 3d design, CAD design, that kind of thing. So, you know, your head's still in the game, but you know, if you haven't got the space to, you know, actually physically use tools, maybe that could be something that you could do. Um, but I, you know, we obviously we don't know your circumstances where you live, but quite often you may find a space locally, like a, you know, community space, maybe you could use, um, you know, these like make us, I can hear it's gone. My voice is gone there. Yeah. yeah. Like maker spaces, that kind of thing. Give me a second. Let me play with some cables. All right. You know what I would do? I'll tell you what I would do. I'll tell you what I would do. And I did this when I was making out right out of college, I was making, I had to make sculpture for a show and I didn't have a shop. I was, I had to make uh, giant fishing lures for the show. And I thought to myself, well, how am I going to carve these goddamn things? And I basically laminated all the wood. And then I went to my friend's shop to cut them all together and i just dedicated amount of time to do all the work i thought i couldn't do at home at someone else's shop and actually i was going to do a project uh, a number of years ago and then i didn't have a power hammer and i was was talking to someone about if i could rent their space for a couple of weeks just to use a power hammer 
that's something you could do because there's a lot of stuff you can do in your home that's not allowed. Hand sanding's not allowed. Gluing's not allowed. Uh, you know, you can you can shape handles with a rasp. That's not allowed. You know, there are a lot of things that you but you and it's actually to be honest with you when you have limitations, you're always do better work because you're working within the confines of your limitations. That actually might be the move is to just try to figure out, well, how can I do this? All right, let's say I can't cut the knives out. Well, maybe I can cut them out of my friend's house or I can, maybe a friend, another friend of mine, I can use their shop to heat treat and I'll do the heat treating in one day. And then you just kind of break it all apart and figure out the easiest way to get that stuff done. Maybe I have another friend who's got a grinder. I can use his sh- shop to grind in. Or There's... I think that limitations are probably make you better at everything that you do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Do, can, you, can you hear me? Yes. Now? Does that sound better? Okay, yeah. good, good, good. Good, good. So, Any more dilemmas? That's, uh, that's it on dilemmas. We were, everyone was uh, full blast on um, unsolicited advice and hot takes, but we can save the unsolicited advice for next week if you want. I also have, okay. I also have, so I have uh, weird stories for the after show, but. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, look, we're hour and 20 minutes. Should we go straight to the after Do show? we do all of our plugs? Texas Ferry Supply, yeah. DOS USA, all that? We did the oh, one. Yes. You have, yeah. a, you have a piece of paper and write, write them all down? Um, they're at the top of the notes that we're looking Dude, at. Dude, you're, you're, let's just everyone stop and say how, how, how great of a job you, we do. We do and you do. <laughs> we do a great <laughs> job. Great we there are. are flea bag podcasts out like there with terrible audio, like Full Blast Podcast. And they don't do half as good a job as Knife Talk. Number one knife-related podcast on this germ-infested planet. That's it, period. There we go. We're experienced. I think that's what it is. Whatever. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate you. That's the best part of the whole goddamn thing. It never never (laughs) is not funny. It's never not funny. This is the bit where we can just, you know, undo the top button of our pants, lean back, and relax a bit more. Yeah. Uh... So we we talked. You've been you've been watching Pistol. I haven't. My old family has. Ah. Oh, oh, I thought you'd been. Watching I it yourself. I don't bit. have time to watch anything. I'm like literally like I'm up. I'm just we're like so everything's been so crazy that I'm unable to do any of this. Um, and I'm getting ready to go to. I was just been talking with Tomer. I'm getting ready to go to uh, now. My so the sculpture was done. This is done. That's done. And and then now I'm getting ready to go to Barcelona in a month, month and a month you know, and is change. It in a month, I'm going to go. Are you there for the birthday party that he's having? What birthday party? Oh, you didn't get the invite. <laughs> oh, oh, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's the. It's like the end of July. I'm hoping you're going to be there, but I, I can't count on it. Let's have. A, let, let me have a look. I, you want me to look at the date? Tell me the dates. I'm going to be there. The tenth anniversary. I've got the email here. Um, RSVP is the seventeenth of September. Oh, okay, it's no. way after. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be there uh, the twenty second. The twenty second of July. Right. right. Fair enough. I think Toma needs a band for this, uh, for this birthday. Definitely. Party. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, you should definitely, you know, he could definitely book your band, you know? So, uh, so, so what have you got planned for, for Toma's? Um, well. You, is it specific knife you're making well, with he, the workshop? We, he, took, he took my bl- the K-tip and then we did the stack handle. So there's going to be the, the people taking the class are going to be building the collab knife. 
And that's going to be cool because then it's going to be very limited. And then I don't know if yeah. we're going to have uh, well, any for sale, but he and I are actually going to be doing, I have to forge some knives uh, for him. Um, so we're going to do some collabs together too. I'm, I'm really re- reticent to do them collaborations, but I definitely want to do one with Tomer. I'm really excited to see him and I'm only going to go for four days. So it's, it's one of those things that that's the next on the block among other things, but the next thing to gear up to. Yeah. yeah, My kid just finished her 11th grade, got one more year left and, uh, get ready for depression mode to hit in. I'm going to be a wreck. (laughs) I'm going to be a wreck when my kid leaves. So that's it for the summer. They've already broken up. Excuse me. That's it for the summer. The kids have already finished school. Yeah, well, yeah, Lila has, she's got some last tests to take. But other than that, yeah, she's out of school. She's already started one of her new jobs and she's going to be doing, uh, she's going to be doing, focusing on music this summer. She, oh, cool. She's got two jobs, but she's actually, she got into a, a program, a music program at a university. So she's going to go for a week to a university to nice. do some, and she's playing, she's playing tonight with some people and, Brilliant. Still playing bass. Loves it. Loves the bass. So she's doing that, nice. and you know, so we're doing that, and her summer's going to be pretty busy. And but uh, yeah, we're getting ready for her last year in school, and I'm already, you know, we went to the UC Yankees last night, and I said we're driving, we're in the train going to the Yankee Stadium, and I said, well, this is going to be the last year. Is there anything that you feel that I haven't cooked for you before you go off into your life that you've <laughs> wanted? You want to do a checklist of things that you've always wanted me to cook, and I never cooked for you? And she's just like, you're getting sad, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I'm getting sad. Mm-hmm. And my buddy's going to go, and it's, it sucks, really. So t- we're gonna yeah. this weekend is Father's Day weekend in the United States. Yeah, same here, same here, and in the UK. I think it's a world. What are you going to be doing for Father's Day? Well, um, we have a gig. Oh, jeez. Saturday night, tomorrow night. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be a bit drained Sunday. Um, but at, my sister go. My sister's here at the moment, so she goes back to the airport tomorrow. Um, but my wife is picking up one of her friends who's coming in on that same flight, who's staying with us for a week. So we've we've got a visitor here as well um so i think we're just having a big barbecue and amy's parents are coming over as well so it'll be nice it'll be nice but um we're hoping the weather cools a little bit you know well yeah. i'll be happy to let you know that i might be getting bombed tonight ne- bombed. have drunk nice nice what, what's the what's the occasion well the occasion is, is <laughs> was it the finger of the, <laughs> the occasion what's, is what's is the... like i got my blood test done so like I didn't want like you know that's the, you know you don't want to be drinking right before so I, and I, I'm down the doctor's very happy with my weight and I have I'm down to uh, down lower than I expected and I got another 15 pounds to go before I'm really in shape and I want to be in so like I'm now my new gold weight is like 190 so I'm gonna be in there I'm not gonna, that's not gonna take too long I'm not gonna take too long so I'm at 204. So what what's the plan tonight is it? Uh, well, it's funny that you ask because I was saying to my wife I was like we should have a drink tonight and she's I she said well you got that bottle of whiskey in the in the uh, you got that bottle of whiskey in the in the cabinet I said the bottle of whiskey he's like he, she says yeah the one you took at the college I have a story to tell you so I went to when I went to college college reunion a couple of weeks ago. They had an open bar, and we all wanted to go back to the apartment. And I remember you saying, "Yes." And yeah. I said to, they said to me, "They said maybe you see if you can get some bottle of whiskey." And two of my friends were said, "Why don't you talk to him and I'll grab the bottle of whiskey." And I said to my friends, "We're forty-eight years old. We're not nineteen anymore. Let me just talk to the guy." 
And they're like, he's not going to give it to you. I said, open bar. Let me just talk to the guy. So they're standing kind of a far away, ready for me to like, I don't know what they're ready for me to do. And I turn to the I bartender and he's just a fucking dude. And it's in like this college space. It's not going to be a thing. And I said, listen, I have a question for you. I was wondering if I could get something to go. And he goes, what do you want to get to go? And I was like, I need some whiskey. He's like, I can't give you the whiskey to go. I said, well, he's like, how much do you want? I was like, I'm hoping for an unopened bottle. And he looks around, hands me the unopened bottle of whiskey. I put it under my coat and I said, let's get the fuck out of here. And we're walking back <laughs> and every one of my classmates who are coming back to me, they're like, I cannot believe you did that. And I'm like, I can't either. And I'm waiting for them to grab me. And we, I walked home with this bottle of whiskey under my arm, unopened, and I brought, and I brought it, and we didn't drink it. And I fucking, I'm bring it back home, and I'm just like, I'm looking at this bottle of whiskey, and I'm just like, that's the one I talked off a bartender. I felt very good about myself. Nice. So we're gonna have some of that tonight. Sweet talking. I'm thing. telling you, they were like, everyone's just like, I can't believe you sweet talked him like that. I'm like, I didn't even have time or thought to tip him. I just like fucking grabbed it, put it under my coat, and walked away. Thank you, the man. I said, You're the man. I, I walked away. <laughs> so bad, so bad. So I think we're gonna have Manhattan tonight. Oh, lovely. Lovely. I have some weird news for you if you'd like. Let's do it. Yeah. Is, is it going to beat the man with a cock uh, in his arm? It might be. This one might oh, be. Oh, let's do it. So, weird stories. Uh, this one comes from the Mirror, the UK Mirror. Um, <laughs> Quality print yeah. again. The title is, my son's dad is a, sp- a serial sperm donor, and I don't mind. I want more kids with him. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me wrap my head around. My Jesus, son's yeah. dad is a serial sperm donor, but I don't mind. I want more kids with him. Oh, Jesus. You, want, you want to keep going that one or you want to get something else? Uh, there's well, there's going to be siblings all over the place there, isn't there? A woman decided upon Kyle Gordy to be her sperm donor after trying numerous times to get pregnant since she welcomed a son and hoped to have more kids with the father of 47. After numerous attempts to get pregnant, a woman and her wife... A woman and her wife decided to start a family with the help of Kyle Gordy, a man known for being a serial sperm donor. So Kyle Gordy is... He's got the good Kyle stuff. Kyle Gordy, you don't, you, don't mind, you don't mind giving you a little handful of it. Um, at the th- Have you... Go ahead. Sorry, what's been on this? Have you seen Our Father on Netflix? No, is it going to be weird? About the, well, no, it's the true story about the doctor. He was a fertility doctor, and he started using his own sperm without anybody knowing. And it turned out that he had a really high success rate as a doctor, but it was always his sperm. And now more and more people are using these sort of, you know, these mail-in DNA testing kits and things like that to show you like a family tree. And they noticed that that all these people were sort of related in the same town as well. And they're like, what's going on here? And they traced it back to this this doctor who was um, just putting his own stuff in. Is it, if you, if there's a, if, oh God, who would you even start? Um... At, at just 30 years old, Gordy has already fathered 47 children across the globe. However, this reputation hasn't put the couple off at all, and they're now extremely grateful him, grateful to him for helping them achieve their dream of having a child. After turning, trying a number of times to get pregnant, Angela, uh, I don't know why they say their full names, uh, Angela, what's your McCall, and her partner came across the serial sperm donor, Kyle, on TikTok. I guess he's got a, <laughs> it's a TikTok profile. He has a lot of... Of course he has. Yeah. The pair have welcomed their son. Da, 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 da. After realizing they wanted to, uh, yeah, so this dude, I don't. This guy looks like. Oh, oh yes, he has a Instagram page called Kyle Gordy One Two Three. 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's not easy. look at this motherfucker. <laughs> look at this motherfucker. According to Angela, uh, one of the vials of sperm from the doctors from the anonymous cost $900 each time they tried. Unfortunately, after making 10 attempts, they had no luck. But it was then they began looking at each other, looking at other avenues, and they came across Kyle after reaching out. He soon put them at ease in, in regards to his donation as a selfless, kind act. I've got him. He's got his email address in his bio, which is gooddonor101 at yahoo.com. We were nervous to meet someone new and ask him to help us start a family. However, after speaking to him and knowing uh, why he did this, leaving it in our hands regarding contact with the child, he's changed our feelings completely. Kyle shared his methods, knowledge, and tips on conceiving successfully with the two women who began the process of straight after his health screening came back clear. I, dude, I, these people, I just don't understand. I, I don't understand. I don't understand them. I don't understand them. It's... I don't understand the need to be... This guy obviously has got some sort of power thing. This is not a good... This is not a, out of genu- genuine good feelings. This is like... This is a manipulation. Yeah, it does seem strange. And why anybody would want, like, siblings from the same donor is weird to me as well. But, yeah, it's all very strange. The fact that also that they know him and they Mm. know who he is makes it – it's going to be a lot tougher. Yeah. Look, kids, here's your daddy. He's on TikTok. You know? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a bit of a – All right, here's – I'm going to read you a couple more, and you decide if you want any – that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Bottle-fed babies more likely develop fetishes for – Rubber gimp suits, claims feminist. <laughs> do you want that one? Let's do this one because <sighs> little buddy here, he's, um, he, yeah, hell of a lot. Is it because of the, the latex in the, the bottle, I assume? We're going to read about it. Babies who are bottle okay. fed or okay. suck dummies, <laughs> suck dummies, are more likely to develop a rubber fetish or fixation on gimp suits later in life, a leading feminist claimed. Uh, so many, so many, something who once played, uh, who once once played by Amber Heard to film, has said today's newborns are more bottle fed, are more likely to develop into rubber fetish as adults. She thinks this is because they draw comfort and gratification from the smell, taste, and feel in the synthetic of the synthetic teats that they sucked on as infants. Breastfed babies, on the other hand, are less likely to be kinky in adulthood and more to bond their moms. Mm. Yeah. Leading feminist. I don't quite know. I, well, what means, I mean, but, uh... I think that I think that most things come from childhood, you know, good and bad traumas. Yeah, yeah, memories that you don't even know. Exist. I tell you yeah, what, yeah, I yeah, believed when I was a kid. When I was a kid, when I when my kid was a kid, is that I thought that su- thumb sucking was more like self soothing. Like, I almost felt like it was more... I mean, we had to have her stop because they were going to fuck her teeth up. And yeah. we stopped by... They they have this... Uh, this is, I don't know if you need to worry about this, but they have this special thumbnail polish that makes the, the taste bad. So that it makes them stop real quick. Oh, right. I, yeah, I've used that in the past for... As a kid, when I used to bite my nails. And I used to bite them down. And I used to put the special stuff on. So it was tasted. Why did you bite your nails? Yeah, I suppose you could use is it. Is it nervousness? Sorry? Is it nervousness? Um, always have done. Still do. Still do. Um, but, no, I'm not nervous. I would, <laughs> I would consider, I would <laughs> consider, I considered, and I was saying to my wife, I was like, you know, the thumb sucking might be, she's kind of problem solving. I mean, it's kind of like, there is something to be said. I think there's something to be said about that. But 
don't know. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. Well, talking about weird things you used to believe as a kid, I was talking about this just just the other day with my wife. How um, as a kid, you know, you'd hear a news report and you'd say like a body has been found on the beach or a body has been found somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think now that when you died, your arms and your limbs would like come in, like a turtle would come into your body. And when they were finding these bodies, they were literally just the torso. You thought that the arms and legs retracted into the body like a turtle? Exactly, because only their bodies were being found. It was like they weren't saying a person has been found. They were just saying a body has been found. And as a kid, I was like, jeez, oh, it's just the body. Like the arms and legs must like go. That's <laughs> hilarious. And I would I believe was a that stupid too. Stupid kid, to be fair. I was a stupid. Kid. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you don't, you don't, yeah. you're, you're, you're taking that literally, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, we have other ones. We have uh, officials at an airport seize cocaine stash in a wheelchair. We have cocaine stashed amidst, amid. I love smuggler stories. Uh, cocaine stashed amid coffee bags at a Swiss warehouse. Man cuts his penis off and testicles to be a nullo and is much happier and still can climax. A nullo? What's a nullo? Let's find out. Nullo. He called himself a nullo. Um, I accept. I accept. Is it as in a null, as in no. Meet the man who cut off his own testicles and penis because he never felt his, gener- his, gener- his genitalia was part of him. Trent Gates from, why did he say his whole name? Trent Gates from Washington, D.C. performed the DIY surgery on two separate occasions, oh, each time using a sharp knife, sanitized with alcohol. See, this is still knife talk. Use it, he is sanitized with alcohol using ice water and tablets to numb the pain. 23-year-old. Two separate occasions. So were they, were they growing back? Regenerating <laughs> like a worm when you cut a worm in two. It's like the bodies. <laughs> Come back. Uh, 23-year-old IT worker. No, 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 uh, this is no shocker. IT work. 23 year old IT worker admitted himself to a hospital after both incidents, the first of which took place in his apartment, the second in a North Carolina hotel room. He says he can still climax despite the extreme surgery. Um, it wasn't really painful and it wasn't a euphoric feeling. It was kind of, yeah, it's happening. And he's, <laughs> he said the latter attempt, um, which saw his penis removed. I use a ceramic yeah, knife a because it's – here, back to knife talk. He said, I use a ceramic ceramic knife because it's sharper than steel, less ripping and tearing. <laughs> Obviously, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I was listening to Knife Talk, and they were <laughs> – my favorite podcast. I cut my dick off. <laughs> Listen to my favorite podcast. He said ceramic was the way to go. That's how you know, ladies and gentlemen, that you can't trust these guys. I sanitized it all with alcohol and I took every precaution. I had no infections and I went to the hospital right away. I honestly didn't have a problem with the pain. I just used a little bit of numbing agent on it and oxycodone. They prescribed me when I, when I, when I did my balls. <laughs> prescribed me when I did my balls to take the edge off. Uh, he told Metro... This, this guy was clearly bottle-fed. He, to- he told Metro US he- that he didn't want to be a man or a woman, but androgynous in between, known as a nullo, N-U-L-L-O, mm-hmm. adding that he'd been inspired by some images that he'd seen as a teenager in high school. I saw this photo online. I was like, bam! I was like, that's me. That's what I want to be someday. Uh, like the Marilyn Manson album, yeah. I think, probably. I don't like his opinion on... Um, I don't like their opinion on... Uh, Ceramic yeah, knives. It's, he's out. He's out. That's enough. <laughs> With that, bringing it back to the show, thank you all very much for listening. Um, ap- apologies for my audio. I, 
I can hear it myself dropping in and out. There's some sort of issue here, cabling or something. So I'll sort that out for next Let's week. Let's just give up podcasting. Thank you for sticking with us. What do you say? Let's just give it all up. I mean, I I can't I can't take it anymore. This show is brought to you by the Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.